The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. Sounds just as good today as it does the first time I heard it, which is yeah. probably 30 years ago at least, if not longer. And we were so due for a, a titular Beatles track yes, to start yes. things off. Well, it's funny because it's like the Beatles, you forget, you know, just because they're so ubiquitous, how good they were. Yeah, it's like Shakespeare. It's, yeah. it's, it's overdone, redone all around us 24-7 in the music world. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a special thing where you can just sit back and listen to it just for 
Yeah, well, I think well, it just it hit it. Just as, as things get more and more complicated with, you know, beats and grooves and pre-recorded shit and loops and all this other stuff, you know, it's it's almost like it makes that simple, straightforward, mm-hmm. you know, just rock and roll yeah. sound so much so much better. You know, and it just yeah, it's very refreshing. And uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was the Beatles doing "Money." That's what I want, mm-hmm. which uh, was originally uh, well, I should say it was co-written by Barry Gordy. And, uh, and Junie Bradford, it was the first real big hit for Barry Gordy's Motown Enterprise back in 1960. Huh. Uh, the Beatles did it in 1963. It was the final track of, the, uh, of their second UK album with the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's fun, funny because they give you an idea how different things are. Back then, it's like something like for their first three, four, maybe five albums, Beatles did nothing but covers. Hmm. You know, they didn't really get into the songwriting groove until a couple of years into... Right. You know their their success. And the Stones were, were similar to that, if I remember yeah, very correctly. Very much so. Very much so. That was the formula the bands followed back then. Uh-huh. And uh, and it wasn't, you know, it didn't do them a disservice, and it, and it wasn't a, a concession at all. It mm-hmm. was them paying homage to their influences. Right. And uh, and there's something to be said for that approach. There really is. And uh, and yeah, that's a classic example of nailing it right there. Indeed. You know? And uh, and as always. <laughs> we have an agenda. We have an agenda. Yes, yes. Uh, John, have you ever heard of ESG? ESG? Yes, ESG. I don't believe I have. It's, uh, it's an acronym for investing or doing business based on environmental, social, and governance principles. Uh, it's morality uh, infecting capitalism. Uh-huh. And guess what? Doesn't work. Ain't working. <laughs> Ain't working. <laughs> Here comes the backlash. Yeah. You know, it really is, unfortunately, yet another example of woke ideology saturating something mm-hmm. and the something spitting it back out again. To quote Virgil Salazzo from The Godfather, blood is a big expense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and bleeding hearts yeah. are twice the expense. And it's, and it's very much uh, evidence of uh, millennial philosophy and to a degree now Zoomer philosophy uh, Entering into the business world, mm-hmm. and like I said, you know, it's always almost predictable uh, the backlash that's coming. You right. know, particularly from guess who, the conservatives, the the Republicans, the the, the people who are you know pro business, yep. and uh, and don't want the uh, aims, the goals, the purpose of business to be polluted. What was that ruckus? By this kind of shit, right. and you know, unfortunately, I think they may have a bit of a point. You know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing business uh, in a morally correct way. For or a socially a responsible way. Socially responsible yeah. way, exactly. And, you know, God knows, you know, climate change is an issue. And mm-hmm. it's something that, you know, needs to be focused on and addressed. And is being focused on and addressed. But quite typically, uh, the woke folks have gone too far. And like I said, here As comes they the, often do. Here comes the backlash. <laughs> And it's coming in a couple of different forms. Choose the form of the destructor. Uh, former VP and, and potential presidential candidate for 2024, uh, Mike Pence. We all remember Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently uh, did an energy policy speech uh, at a gathering in Houston where he was critical of big energy companies like ExxonMobil following uh, what he called a, quote, socially conscious investment principle. And he urged not just ExxonMobil, but states in general, to rein in, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. ESG. And uh, he cautioned against elevating uh, left-wing goals over the interest of businesses and their employees. Right. And, you know, we've got to find a happy medium here. 
mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it seems like the pendulum has swung a little bit too far. And, you know, I, anybody that's listening to the show for more than five minutes knows how I feel about woke ideology. <laughs> I think it's bullshit. Thank you. And, you know, this is a classic example of things that don't mix. Right. You know, plus, what makes it worse is that we live in a world devoid of compromise. That's what it has evolved into, And that's the simple solution to, to this and many other issues that ail us. But, you know, I, like, we're in agreement. You know, businesses, especially the huge corporations, should have an element of, of social and fiscal responsibility as part of their charters, basically. Yeah. But within reason and, and tempered with the, the knowledge that a corporation or a business exists to make money. Businesses don't exist to make friends. Businesses don't exist to set good examples and help raise your kids. No, they're like sharks. What does a shark do? It swims and it eats and it makes little sharks. Yeah. So what do businesses do? They make money, they split, they form new businesses, and the, the cycle repeats itself. Yeah. Well, you know, dating back, you know, to the very least, at the very least, the 1990s, when I was a recent college grad, one of the things I tried to get across to my activist friends, my fellow lefties, <laughs> was you got to speak their language. You got to make it clear to corporations mm-hmm. how this is going to positively impact their bottom line. Right. You know, if you if you're not doing that, if you're just telling them that you know to do this because it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. they're not going to hear you. Here's and an not example. Listen. Let's and, lay out the, the framework of, of what works, what doesn't work. All right. Ronald McDonald House. Okay. Okay. A fantastic idea by. The McDonald's Corporation, done probably at its at its zenith, you yeah, know. Yeah. And this provides a free um, uh, free living situations to the families of kids undergoing cancer treatment. I mean, talk about a home run. Yeah. Okay. Really. And you know they absorb the vast majority of this expense just through their own profits. This is something that McDonald's pays for. That's an example of a socially responsible thing that everybody can get behind. Right. Okay. Right. Never would you have heard 20, 30 years ago the opinions of a particular company, okay? It would be as bizarre as, let's say, 20, 30 years ago, we're watching TV one night, Mm -hmm. and uh, in the middle of an episode of Friends, okay, let's say, (laughs) there's a commercial for Coke, and instead of a commercial, it's just the president of Coke coming on and just lecturing people about something. Right. Because they feel a certain way about it. They don't present either side or both sides. Just one side. This is how it is. This is how you should think, too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Boop. Yeah. Because that's essentially what we're doing now. These companies are starting to stand for things other than their own damn logo. Yeah. And it came to a head recently with the situation in Florida with Disney. Case in point. Case in point. And, you know, I can fully understand where um, the activists are coming from with this because, you know, Certain companies, obviously like Disney, have the kind of clout where they can have a positive impact. Sure, but again, you got to anticipate the backlash. You got to mm-hmm. you got to understand and conceptualize the thing, um, and and speak in their language. Right. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with a book called Woke Inc. You nope. familiar with that at all? Nope. Uh, the the full title is Woke Inc. Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam. Yeah, I don't got much book learning. <laughs> Goose-stepping morons like yourself should try reading books instead of burning them. Guy who wrote this, a guy by the name of Vivek Ramaswamy, and yes, I did bring this up just so I could say Ramaswamy. Clearly, clearly. Um, (laughs) Comes across with a very interesting point, and basically what he's saying is, at the end of the day, 
Corporate America was just paying lip service to this bullshit anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. And I want to read you a description of the book because I think it's apropos for everything we're talking about here. All right. Um, in promoting the book, I think this was on Amazon, there is a new invisible force at work in our economic and cultural lives. It affects every advertisement we see and every product we buy, from our morning coffee to a new pair of shoes. Stakeholder capitalism, and that was in quotes, makes rosy promises of a better, more diverse, environmentally friendly world, but in reality, the ideology championed by America's businesses and political leaders robs us of our money, our voice, and our identity. Mm -hmm. In other words, bullshit. Right. You know? And it's a very real possibility that, yeah, they were just paying lip service to it the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, and and, and I got to... I got to hold the people, the woke crew, responsible for this. You know, it, the, the backlash is coming on so many different levels right now to this ideology, which is, which is polluted. And yeah, I intentionally use that word, polluted. <laughs> uh, so many different levels of life from, mm-hmm. you know, from colleges, universities, to the entertainment industry in Hollywood, to uh, the law industry in the United States. Mm-hmm. And again... You know, if you have half a brain and have studied five minutes of history, you know there's a backlash coming. Right. You know, you, it's not a shock. And it's now it's here. And it's also, you, you got to realize that since the, the dawn of the modern age, let's say, walking hand in hand with the uh, popularization of, of radio, okay? Yep. The same moment that you had radio shows, that you had newscasts, that you had any of that stuff, there were sponsors. Yeah. This has evolved now to TV and even onto the internet and everything we see online and stuff like that and all these streaming service, movie studios, you name it. Everybody is in bed with sponsorships. Yep. And these sponsorships dictate this amorphous concept of what these companies, quote unquote, stand for. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's always been there. But they've been very vague, you know? Yeah. The American public used to be content with knowing that their businesses, when, when the shit hit the fan, that these businesses were all about, you know, mom, baseball, and apple pie, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that yeah. at its simplest, and Chesterfield cigarettes, of course. Sure, sure. <laughs> but nowadays, it's, you know, they're at odds with each other because there's so many of these little pet causes cropping up. Yeah. That it's hard to keep score. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's very much a situation where you've got to know your audience. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, like I said, obviously things like you know, climate change need to be addressed. These right. need to be paid attention to. We need to take the appropriate steps to keep this from destroying the world right. you know, and, right. and whatnot. But at the same time, you've got to have some degree of perspective on it. You know, the woke crew has overplayed their hand. Right. They've overplayed it. And now you know, you're undercutting your own good work. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's going to dispute you know, some of the ethical ideas that you're pushing. But again, you know, understand who you're dealing with. And you know, what's different now, now it's going to go hard in the other direction. And what's different now than years past, in years past, the scenario would be uh, a consumer, a consumer group or a political group would boycott a company because of the company's views or stances or inaction, whatever. Yeah. Nowadays, it's happening within the company. It's their own employees that yeah. are rising up and saying, no, we will not do this. Or, yeah, and compelling management and compelling ownership to take these various stands. Right. I mean, because I make it no secret on, on this show, I despise protesters. <laughs> always have, always will. And, you know, growing up, you would always see, you know, whenever race relations got tense in the New York area, 
out would come Al Sharpton. Not, not, not skinny, weird-looking Al Sharpton. Young, fat, Sergio Tacchini sweatsuit-wearing Al Sharpton. Mm. And would stand up for cause and announce that him and whatever group he was representing were going to uh, boycott something, okay? And I would sit here, you know, middle-class, suburban, white kid, thinking to myself, what is that little boycott going to do? It's not going to do shit, okay? It's an exercise in futility. doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. It's not going to do nothing. But it has evolved now that in the society that we live in, thanks social media, where everybody has a voice. Yeah. Thank God for them internets. You can't hide shit for any length of time. This stuff comes out to the forefront immediately. And like I said, we've got employees now almost dictating to the people that are signing their checks or attempting to. Trying to, yeah. Right. Exactly to say, say. Yeah. well, we're not going to stand for this. So along comes... A memo, okay, from the higher-ups at our friends at Netflix. Yeah. Which I, for one, gave up on years ago. <laughs> and uh, in this, this very concise, terse uh, memo to their employees, there's, there's three lines that I put in quotes that stuck out to me. Um, As employees, we support the principle that Netflix offers a diversity of stories, even if we find some titles counter to our own personal values. Mm. Imagine that, Mm. okay? Yeah. Another one, depending on your role, you may need to work on titles you perceive to be harmful. And then, of course, the coup de grace, which I want to have this, like, embossed on something. (laughs) I was going to say, you look like you're about to frame that thing. If you find it hard to support our content breadth, Netflix may not be the best place for you. Now, if that doesn't sum up the whole thing in a giant middle finger and say, get your ass back to work now, nothing does. Again, what what I've been saying is this is is the inevitability of overplaying your hand. Yes. You know, and, you know, as is typical of our, you know, relationship dynamic, um, you know, I'm all for activism. Yes, you are. And I'm all for political... (laughs) awareness and whatnot. But again, you overplay your hand and you fuck it up. Yep. You know, and you get backlash and that undermines everything you're doing, including yep. the things that were good, you know? Going back to this guy Ramaswamy, as a result of this, he started a new financial firm called Strive that's backed by notable billionaire investors that will urge companies not to get involved in social, political and environmental issues. Which is as it this should be. is the backlash guys. Yep. You know? So, you know, please, please take a step back, mm-hmm. you know, rethink how you're approaching these things, understand your audience, understand the language they speak, yep. the terminology that they use, and come about, come about it in an effective way uh, to, you know, achieve your goals and whatnot without, you know, this bullshit shaming, yeah. um, this, this, this whole uh, idea of, you know, Superiority mm-hmm. and whatnot. I mean, that, that's that's. I tell you what, I, I without us even losing sleep over Mike, I think the party's over because <laughs> you know, keep in uh, mind this: uh, the Netflix memo came on the heels within days of Elon Musk purchasing. I believe that's still on the books as the plan of of purchasing uh, Twitter and basically saying to the, the staff, okay, if you don't like it, there's the door. Well, you know, I, and in all honesty, I think Elon's taken a step back, but I'm glad you brought that up because to me, Twitter is the epitome of what I'm saying that's wrong about this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Twitter mob, you know, the public shaming, right. you know, all that bullshit that is, that is so uh, typical of a faction of the millennials, a faction of the Zoomers. And, you know, 
people don't react well to this, guys. Right. You know, I'm sorry, but they just don't. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, pay attention. You know, your, your moral superiority is not going over well. Right. You know, your condescending tone is yep. not working. And I said to you in a, in a conversation the other day, um, as most of the, the regular listeners know, I'm a fan of pro wrestling. And uh, the uh, WWE's developmental brand, NXT, had introduced this young guy. Um, and his, his character or his shtick was he was one of these crusading millennials. And the way he like kind of smarmily preached, you know, <laughs> unity and how everyone is valuable. And, and it was everything that we've been whispering about in hushed tones oh, about yeah. how annoying this new crop of young people is. They said, you know, and Vince McMahon and all his genius, if he was the one that came up with the idea, said, you know what, here's something that people really hate. It's just this, this pontification yeah. and this preachy bullshit. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Since, since going to work with you on Riffs and Rants, um, I've kind of uh, evolved my perspective and my opinion of professional wrestling. <laughs> I now regard it as street theater. It is. And it, it is. reflects society. And yep. this, is, this is something that, you know, prior to going to work with you and, you know, getting a chance to... to uh, taking an alternative take on it mm-hmm. didn't occur to me, but yeah, guys, millennials, this is how you're perceived. Right? You know, they think you're assholes. Yep. You know, take that into account. And the crowd, you know, of of every man and every woman, they like what they like. It's it's hard to explain, you know. Yeah. But they know when they don't like something. Oh yeah. And if we have gotten so close to living in a society where people are afraid to speak their mind. Yeah. And like I said, growing up, we always thought it would come from my people, the right, <laughs> right? Because we were Nazis. They were just dour old men in suits. I have and... said to you a number of times <laughs> that I am shocked that we have come to a day where the threat to free speech uh, is coming from the left, yeah, not the right, you know? But the... I, think, I think, in fact, we are, you know, it, at the very least, it's a watershed moment. Time will tell. The next couple of weeks, I think, will be crucial. But we may be witnessing a paradigm shift now when it, it comes to... giving every indication. Everybody flexing their individual voice. Yeah. They might go back to, look, this is not suitable for the workplace. Yeah. Okay? You can believe and do whatever you want to do. And they can still do good works and, 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 and help minorities and help you know, the religion, make yeah. sure it's got the freedom they want. You can do all that. Yeah, but I hate to break it to you guys. No one likes bullies. Right. Okay, and that's how you're coming across. You're coming across like a bunch of fucking superior, condescending, yep. pseudo-philosophical bullies. Yep. You, you know, stop and, and take that in for a minute. Right. You know, because I know that's not how you see yourselves, mm-hmm. you know, but guess what? Because it's just, it's just like the same way, not everybody, but a majority of Americans feel, at the very least, ill at ease around mega churches and these pastors mm-hmm. who get up and just preach, preach, preach. This is how you should live. You know, look at me. I'm an example. I do no wrong. When you know, looking at the lifestyle they lead and everything. They're full of shit. Yeah, smoke yeah. and mirrors. They're, they're on the take. These people espousing all these, these social virtues, doing the same damn thing. Yeah. Because we're all looking at them and we're like, you people are very far from perfect. Who are you to tell me how to live my life? And if there's one thing with all the issues going on, not just in the world, but in this country... When are they going to learn? You can't tell people how to live because they're going to do what they want to do. The best you could do on, a, on, a, on the social scale of, of this country in this day and age 
is corral people and kind of try and herd them in a general direction. Yeah. Like, like religion has all these millenniums, you know? Yeah, yeah, really. That's the purpose of organized religion, to make yeah. people feel good and safe and to kind of keep the moral compass relatively going in, in the right direction. Yeah, and, and there's a concept, and you and I have talked about this extensively, of the communication dynamic. You know, everybody's communication dynamic is different. Right. You know, you got to figure out what any particular person or any particular group's communication dynamic is in order to effectively communicate with them mm -hmm. to get your desired goals accomplished. Right. If you don't do that and, you know, the woke crew aren't doing that, not going to work. Right. Sorry, guys. That's just the way it is. You know? Indeed. So anyway. So anyway, <laughs> I got the solution for this. Do you? Yes. And it rhymes with um, diddle hen. What? Well, middle gem. Oh, yeah. oh, oh I got you. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're going I, to... I was, I was hoping that's what you were getting to, Johnny. Well, I had a hard time finding something that rhymes with middle. Jeez, I'm other, telling well, you. Well, diddle, I, I guess. I okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, diddle, diddle. Um, <laughs> Much like uh, us, as we head into the next segment, which is always a crowd favorite, yes. especially if the crowd is me. Indeed. Uh, we're going to break out of segment one with, with something that really, I mean, talk about heavily steeped in symbolism. I think this was terribly appropriate, this call. Yes. I, I like it. I like Because it like this song, we, till, we too shall rise from the ashes, a la the <laughs> mythical phoenix, in this case brought to us by the boys in Tenacious D, yes. singing yes. Rise of the Phoenix into a whole new, fresh, fun segment. Oh, so, man. absorb this, folks. Now, remember, I'm not telling you this. I'm asking you. Just listen to the song and enjoy it if you like. We're cool either way. We'll be back in a couple minutes with some things and some stuff. When the pick of destiny was released, it was a bomb. And all critics said that the D was done. The sun had set and the chapter had closed But one thing no one thought about was the D would rise again Just like the phoenix will rise again Cause the fiery heart of a champion cannot be quelched By a failure or an embarrassment, no way, no and the critics all agreed it was a stinky pile of cheese But that does not mean that our hearts are not strong Just like the Phoenix We'll rise again yeah. That's what the Phoenix We'll Yeah. 
But what if it's true? If tenacious D has died, what will we do? And what will we do about all the fans who have the D tattoo? They'll have them removed. They'll have to laser off the D tattoos. Wait a minute, Cage. What's that you say? You know it's not too late. Yes, it is too late. We only need one here. Just imagine it. We could be legit. Too legit to quit. One here. One here. One here. Yeah, we're hoping this is it. One here. Fun. They out meatloafed meatloaf <laughs> on that. Yeah. Just so much drama. Oh yeah, the video to it is just ridiculous. Yes, ridiculous fun. Recommended I mean, highly to the folks at home. If I had to come up with two words to describe Tenacious D, that would be it exactly. Is ridiculous fun. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that of course was uh, was Rise of the Phoenix, uh, a song that was released as a single in March of 2012. Uh, came out on the album of the same name later on in the year, in May of 2012. Okay. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the remarkable things about that album is it featured Dave Grohl. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. Look at Nirvana that. You're still coming up with anecdotes. Fighter. Dave Grohl was on that album. You know, that's, I mean, you got to love that about Tenacious D's. They got some, they got some powerful friends. They, they do. Got, and that's why they get away with not being hated. Because yeah, exactly. here's, here's two comedians <laughs> no. that are such good musicians. And it's just they, that could that could breed resentment. Yeah, yeah you could. would think, right? Yeah, but uh, but well, yeah. Good speaking fun. of breeding resentment, <laughs> up here we go. Here we go. It's magic time, folks. That's right. It's time uh, for another edition of a little thing we do called lyrically speaking. Hey, yeah, we still don't have a jingle for this. No, we don't. We need to come up with something. I'm lazy. I yeah. I've had a good idea. Yeah. So anyway, here's how this goes, folks. We've each got uh, three songs that we're going to say lyrics from to the opposing player. And uh, they need to guess the name of the song and the artist that did it. Yep. Now, here are the, the basic short rules. They need to be well-known songs, so no B-sides and C-sides or any of that. And we've picked a particular decade, which today is the 80s. Johnny's Wheelhouse, I want to point <laughs> out, folks. But he says it all the time. And I, I am I, the <laughs> underdog on this one. I'm the underdog. Well, enjoy it, underdog. Because, uh, you know, other than that, it's just got to be... Um, it, it can't be rap or country. Everything else is on the table. Yeah. New wave, rock, pop, you name it. And the funniest thing about this is like when you're, when you're reading the lyric, mm -hmm. you have to fight your, your urge or your, uh, 
like inclination, inclination to word. sing, to say sing it. it, yeah, because you'll <laughs> give it, you'll give it away, right? Yeah, so you got to do it like a robot. So we're also allowed to repeat the lyrics once, yes, which we normally need to do that. And uh, you know, we each got three. We got one more in a kitty. So the best of that takes it. The current tally is we've done this oh, God. five times yeah, now. Yeah, something like that. I'm up three. Michael Sean Lee has yeah, a lowly one win, yeah, yeah. and then we've got a tie. So now it's just for pride. <laughs> <laughs> so, since you're the underdog, uh, right. would you like to go first? I will be happy to. All right, would you want me to read to. or do you want to read? Okay. Here we go. There we go, folks. And like I said, the hardest thing about this is not singing the lyric. All right, clear my All right, clear you ready? Hand. You ready. ready here? All right. Uh, nights of confusion and impossible dreams, days at the mirror, patching up around the seams. You got your glory, you paid for it all, you take your pension in loneliness and alcohol. I know this. And what you subsequently do when you're on the receiving end is you sing it to yourself yep. to try and get it. Yeah. I'm going to go with Billy Squire. Okay. Everybody wants you. Hello. Big round Yay. of applause for Johnny. Oof, I knew I was. Being, I knew I was being too easy on you. You know I what? I didn't get into the last line. Okay. The loneliness and alcohol. I yeah. That's because that's the best line in the song, and I yep. was like, oh, he's gonna get it with the alcohol reference. And I, oh. I too, I w- and that was a lot of lines, and I went a similar route that in all the songs I selected, I tried to give you as much lyrics as possible. Okay. Um, so yeah, you could you could be <sighs> nailing any one of these. All right. So here we go. Song number one. Sometimes you picture me. I'm walking too far ahead. You're calling to me. I can't hear what you've said. Then you say, go slow. I fall behind. The second hand unwinds. Oh! Oh, that last line. Second hand unwinds. Uh, read it to me again. Certainly. Sometimes you picture me. I'm walking too far ahead. You're calling to me. I can't hear what you've said. Then you say, go slow. I fall behind. The second hand unwinds. Cindy Lauper, time after time. Well done. Oh, we got a game on oh, our hands now, oh, folks. We're, we're throwing down here. Oof. We're throwing down. <laughs> that could be only one. <laughs> All right. Now, I will confess that I created two lists on this. I created ones that Johnny will probably get, and then I have a second list called Stumpers. Great. So let's see how good he is. This is one from the Stumpers list, folks. You ready, Johnny? (laughs) Ready. All right. She was physically forgotten. Then she slipped into my pocket with my car keys. She said, you've taken me... How can I can't even read my own fucking writing. I can't play this. All right, all right. Now, scratch that. (laughs) Scratch that. All right, scratch that. We're going to try another one. All right, clear All right. All right. All right. All right. Tell you straight, no intervention, to your face, no deception. You're the biggest fake, that much is true. All right, go again. Tell you straight, no intervention. To your face, no deception. You're the biggest fake that much is true. 
Now, I'm skipping the last line on that verse because you'd slam dunk it if I threw that <laughs> one in. Don't know. That is the Eurythmics, Would I Lie to You? There you go. Yeah. The last line is, had all I can take, now I'm leaving you. Maybe I would have got that. Uh, no, Maybe you, you would have got, got that one. You get, right. as, as much of a fan of the Eurythmics as I know you are, <laughs> you would have you hit that one out of the park. All right, that was a stumper. In Johnny's defense, that was a stumper. <sighs> Oof. All, all right. right. Here we go. Yeah. Trick or treat, sweet to eat. On Halloween and New Year's Eve, Yankee girls, you just can't be beat, but you're the best when you're off your feet. Oh, that sounds like a Def Leppard tune. One more time. Trick or treat, sweet to eat, on Halloween and New Year's Eve. Yankee girls, you just can't be beat, but you're the best when you're off your feet. Fuck. I want to say pour some sugar on me, but that's not it. That's not it. <sighs> now you got me on that one. Motley Crue, girls, <laughs> girls, girls. <laughs> ah, you busted out the crew on me. Damn. <laughs> Damn. All right, all right. It's going to be like that, huh? Oof. Okay. All right, still one up. All right. <clears throat> Now that I've deciphered, deciphered my writing. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm, oh I'm boy. going back to this. All right. We'll see how good you are on this one, Johnny. All right. Uh, she was physically forgotten. Then she slipped into my pocket with my car keys. She said, you've taken me for granted because I please you. No idea. Really? Yeah. No clue, no hints, no nothing. Nothing. I try it again. <laughs> she was physically forgotten, and she slipped into my pocket with my car keys. She said, you've taken me for granted because I please you. Nothing. No? Huh? That was Paul Simon, diamonds on the soles of her shoes. I've never heard that song. Really? <laughs> Get out of here. Serious? <laughs> Serious. Fuck. Rings zero bells. You know, if I, if I had the capacity to feel guilty about anything, I'm going to feel guilty about that one. I'm See kinda, what I got to deal with, folks? I'm surprised. I'm, it's I'm like I'm fighting with one arm behind my back here. I thought you'd nail that one. I truly Prince of did. obscurity. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, now, let's see. Do I change my strategy? <clears throat> so this would be my third one. You've given me three already. We're tied at one apiece. Okay, then I tell you what, I'm going to go with this one. Okay, you ready, sir? Hear me. Okay. Spinning on that dizzy edge, I kissed her face and kissed her head and dreamed of all the different ways I had to make her glow. Oh, that sounds very familiar. One more time. Spinning on that dizzy edge, I kissed her face and kissed her head and dreamed of all the different ways I had to make her glow. See, I was thinking I was dreamed of all the ways to make you mine or something like that. God, that sounds familiar. Ooh, fuck. Nah, don't have it. Don't have it. That is... I'm going to kill myself, I'm you sure. You probably will. Well, yeah. Yeah, because I think this was easier for you than the other one I had lined up. That's the cure, just like heaven. Damn. 
you know the problem with the cure. Speeding on that dizzy yeah, end. Yeah, out of all the ways, <laughs> yeah. See, the thing with the cure is to really appreciate and understand the cure, you got to be in love, and I'm not in love right now. That now. is the most rational thing I think I've ever heard you say. Yeah. Yeah. All right, should we do a tiebreaker, John? We have to do the tiebreaker. Right, I mean, it right. still might be a tie, but we'll give it a shot. Okay. Okay. This one's on two pieces of paper, too. All right. Give me what you got, kid. All right. I'm, I'm wavering between two. Mm. I'm sure you'll pick the more obscure one. Diamonds on the soles of her shoes. <laughs> what the f- How about a fresca? All right. All okay. Right, all right. All right. Now, I, this is a difficulty factor of nine. I will, I will say that. I will, Super. I will preface that with. Okay. <laughs> and you watch now. He'll nail it. He'll just be like, oh, yeah, I know that one. Blood, you know. All right. Here we go. I guess I should have closed my eyes when you drove me to the place where all your horses run free because I felt a little ill when I saw all the pictures of the jockeys that were there before me. All right. You want it again? Yes, please. All right. I guess I should have closed my eyes when you drove me to the place where all your horses run free because I felt a little ill when I saw all the pictures of the jockeys that were there before me. I'm going to go with Prince, Little Red Corvette. Damn. <laughs> Boom. Oof. Boom. I'm impressed, Johnny. I, I had difficulty because um, immediately I knew it was Prince, but I, w- I had to go through my head to see if it was uh, Raspberry Beret or not. Yeah. So. I thought about Raspberry Beret. I honestly did. I would have hit that out of the park. I kind of figured. I kind of <laughs> figured. <laughs> All right. Well, it comes down to this now. Oh, shit. Okay. You got a shot with this. Ah, right. I would not be surprised if you get this at all. Okay. All right. Well, and you threw me with the cure one. I was like, fuck. And know? forgive me if I have to turn a page to this, because for some reason I didn't pay attention when I was printing it. All right. You good? <sighs> I wish I had some five-hour energy for this <laughs> one. I'd snort it. All right, let's go. It's my creation. I do not know. No hesitation. Ooh. No heart of gold. Just flesh and blood. I do not know. I do not know. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand? My obsession. That's Danny Elfman and Oingo Boingo. Give it to me one more time. It's my creation. I do not know. No hesitation. No heart of gold. Just flesh and blood. I do not know. I do not know, from my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand? That is Oingo Boingo Weird Science. Well done. <laughs> wow. Legitimately well done. And we wow. have ourselves a tie, ladies and gentlemen. All right. All Oof. right. But at least you didn't suck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take that as a victory and run with it. Nice. But now, nice. now we've got a bigger problem because the uh, stipulation for the last gem yep. was to go to uh, the choice of whomever won That's right. that episode right there. Yeah, and I was thinking of all my favorite Clash tunes, <laughs> all my I'm favorite sure you were just tunes. lining them up. <laughs> so I tell you what, all right. uh, do you have a coin on you, pretty chance? I do not. Hmm. All right, we can use this Gatorade top. Okay. I will flip it. 
All right. And if it lands with the open side down, yeah. it's you. Okay. If it lands on the flat side, it's me. All right. Okay. I'll go with that. Hope it doesn't take off and hit somebody in the eye. Here oh, we go. Really? It's you. Damn. So the song choice, the right. final gem is. All right. Well, I'm, 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 I'm going to hedge my bets because of something that we're going to talk about after the break. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to go with Jane's Addiction. And a song called Mountain Song. I fucking hate you. All right. <laughs> Enjoy this Jane's Addiction song, and we'll be right back with some uh, closing things and stuffs. Stay tuned.
that was fun. I'm glad you that enjoyed was, it. That was fun for me on so many different levels. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's noticed a, a distinct lack of Jane's Addiction songs in the uh, riffs and rants. Uh, uh, it's not that many in her catalog. Of, uh, of gems, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of you know in all in all honesty, it's it's a forced discipline because yeah, I, I inclined to fall back on the easy and on the familiar, and uh, if it wasn't for the fact that you know Johnny's waiting there saying no, <laughs> I probably would do that more often than I should. So hey, let's open up uh, the whole catalog of Jane's Addiction, and I will <laughs> every episode do uh, one. Song from David Leroth's solo discography. That would be an interesting trade-off. I <laughs> might be tempted to make that deal. Let's talk about it after the show. Fair let's, enough. Let's discuss. Fair enough. So, uh, so yeah, obviously I had an agenda, you know, with that particular tune, notwithstanding the fact that it made Johnny cringe, and uh, I did enjoy it that. Did. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, something uh, I don't know if folks noticed on the uh, Big Boom Radio website, BigBoomRadio.com. Uh, there's a button on the homepage that says, "What does it say?" Uh, prologue. Prologue, still, yes. yes. Prologue. And, and I believe uh, it's pronounced bouton. I believe so. The French I believe so. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, Johnny has been uh, gracious enough uh, to let me start to publish a memoir of sorts that I've been working on for a number of years that's just starting to come to fruition uh, called uh, Coming Down on the Mountain, uh, putting the brakes on 20 years of decadence and depravity while... Uh, while uh, I was at the uh, top of Ganja Mountain during harvest season. <laughs> and uh, as the story goes, and we've talked about this a bit, mm-hmm. uh, this, was, this dates back to 2007 when I was in Los Angeles. And things around me at that point in time had gotten very weird and very strange and not in a good way. And uh, the need arose, as it frequently does when you live in Los Angeles, to flee the city. And I had a standing invitation from a good friend of mine uh, to visit his weed farm in Northern California, up in the woods and mountains of Northern California. When I say Northern California, I'm not talking about San Francisco. San Francisco is actually Central California. Northern California, the Golden Triangle, is much further north than that. And uh, and this friend of mine wasn't some rogue hippie. He was a graduate of UCLA's (laughs) business school. I mean, this was, you know, a sharp businessman. And he had disappeared uh, from our circles for a number of years and had only recently reappeared and uh, sent me word through back channels where he was and what he was doing, and uh, invited me to come up. And at the time that I received the invitation, it was very flattering, but I kind of poo-pooed it. It was like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then things you know, around me got seriously strange to a, n- a really nasty extreme. And suddenly the idea of escaping L.A. for uh, an un- undesignated period of time became very, very inviting. Uh, so myself and a, and a good friend of mine... Uh, took the drive up north, and uh, it prompted, a, I don't know, a, a moment of pause mm-hmm. um, when I realized I was now in the woods and mountains of Northern California, unfortunately at the time with a raging chemical dependence, and it was something that had just occurred to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't realized how serious the situation had gotten until I got up there you know, it was kind of like getting the faraway perspective. You know, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. Right. You know, so I got the hell away from the forest and suddenly realized what was going on. And it struck me at the time as really, really odd. It was like, Jesus, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. And it set off a, a, a thought process that I hadn't gone down before of how in the hell did I get here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like uh, that talking heads too. Well, how did I get here? Right. You know? And that was the basis for the story. 
And when I got back from this trip, I realized that, you know, under the, the circumstances of the time, given the voluminous amount of pharmaceuticals I was consuming, that if I didn't start writing down these memories of these things that I'd experienced over the previous 20 years, there was a very good chance that they were going to be lost to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I started just jotting down these notes. They're kind of like, almost like a diary, you right. know, of, of entrance and this and that. And uh, many years later, after getting clear of that insanity and getting a little bit more clear-headed, I started going back and looking through these journals and these entries, and some of it was, you know, utter drug-addled bullshit mm -hmm. and drivel. But some of it was, I thought, very interesting and, and surprisingly clear-headed given the circumstances. And uh, it occurred to me that, you know, this life that I have been uh, fortunate enough to live, uh, you know, I'm just a, you know, a kid from the suburbs of Boston. You know, having gone to Los Angeles, you know, back in 1985 and, and jumped on the roller coaster, so mm -hmm. to speak, of the life that unfolded in front of me, it was quite an experience. And it was something, uh, I guess, I feel it's worth retelling, maybe as a cautionary tale, mm -hmm. you know, maybe as, you know, something that's just interesting stuff, just a fun read, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, it, it suddenly got into my mind that, you know, I should start editing this stuff and, and putting together a memoir. And then it was, you know, a matter of, okay, what do I do with this? You know, it's kind of like, you know, on the, uh, on the website, we printed up a, uh, or we posted an introduction to the prologue. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the prologue, there was a point that hit me. It was like, okay, you know, you've made it to the mountains. Now what? Mm. You know, so I had that now what moment with the memoirs. And it was like, okay, well, you know, you took the time, you took the effort to jot all this crazy shit down. Maybe, maybe you know, share it with people. You know, see if people, people are interested in hearing this. And uh, like I said, taking it however you want to take it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, yeah, you know, the opportunity uh, that you know, my good friend Johnny has given me uh, to publish this stuff on BigBoomRadio.com. Just the kind of thing uh, motivate me to get this shit together, you know, and start getting it out there and, and, and seeing, you know, how people react to it. And that's always something I, I can get behind. And, you know, for my two cents, I would say, um, based on what I've read so far, it is very entertaining, folks. And uh, I can say with no exaggeration whatsoever, Michael is an excellent writer. Um, that's not a tip of the hat that I give lightly. I am a super duper book nerd, in case you didn't figure that out yet. And I enjoy reading anything from like my like 50th biography of Abraham Lincoln to uh, military tactics of the British during the Zulu War. Yeah, I'm kind of out there, but almost in the uh, in the vein of a, a Chuck Paholic novel, um, <laughs> Michael explains things in 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 his own unique way. But it's it's very vivid, and you could uh, you imagine yourself there at the moment as these things are transpiring, and it reveals a different side of Mike to you that maybe only I see and, and hear at this point because we spend so much time talking. But uh, entertaining dude, and it's not all just about rock and roll anecdotes. <laughs> so yes, I I, uh, I invite everyone to check it out right on BigBoomRadio.com. Uh, we'll probably change the name of the button soon from Prologue to something else yeah well the but, commonality uh, between you know and, and why it, it makes sense to do this was the whole you know experience of that 20 years was powered by the music right you know the music was something that was constantly on it was constantly you know either in the background or you know what was motivating me to you know get my ass out of bed every morning 
Uh, it was what, you know, powered these crazy nights in Southern California. I mean, it was always, you know, the music was always there. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and again, that's, that's the commonality with Big Boom Radio. You know, rock and roll heaven 24-7. You know, in a lot, of, a lot of ways, I lived that. Yeah. You know, and I was fortunate to live that for 20 years, and it, you know, amazingly didn't kill me. Uh, music keeps us sane. Yeah. You know, differently for everybody. I mean, because you could <laughs> click on the page that says blogs, and some of my entries now, which I'm sorely lacking because I haven't touched it in about a year, um, a lot of venom built up with me. You wouldn't yeah. think that because I'm just such an everyman. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and some of the stuff I read, I'm like, wow, I need therapy time on a couch, big <laughs> don't, time. Don't we all? Don't so we I, all. I can I can definitely agree <laughs> that you know sometimes writing these things out, um, not just for its own creative merits and how good that feels. As I've I've said to Michael many times, if I wasn't creating and building something, I'd be going out of my mind. No doubt. Which is why I've kept this radio station going on a shoestring as long as I have. Yeah. Because you've got to be able to create stuff that, you know, in, in a perfect world, hey, would either enrich other people's lives, maybe as a a uh, cautionary tale or a parable, or um, bringing them music that, that brings them, hopefully, you know, good memories of a time gone by. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you, you go through these experiences, you know, and, and without, you know, being too obvious and tipping our hands, neither one of us are, are, are children. You know, <laughs> oh, they know. Yeah. They know. <laughs> Might act like we, them. Yeah, I was going to say from time to time. But, you know, you accumulate this knowledge, you know, through experience, and you get to a point where it's like, what good is it if you don't share it with people? Right. You know, and, and you know, Communicate to them what you've learned. Maybe it'll help them. Some people would call that social responsibility. I, I, yeah, the R word, the R word. Yeah, Jesus, right? let's veer off of that. Shit, God, let's go protest something. <laughs> it'll feel better. Let's burn something down. <laughs> damn it, let's do the Antifa <laughs> thing. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's 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 again, it's an opportunity that I, I very very much appreciate from Johnny Johnny Teflon, the master of ceremonies of Big Boom Radio. And, uh, and, yeah, I hope that, you know, people will check it out. I hope people are at the very least entertained by it. Um, if you learn something from it, if you pick up a, a gem, mm -hmm. you know, knowledge or whatever, that, you know, I'm able to share with you through my experiences and what to do and most definitely what not to do, yeah. then, uh, <laughs> then it'll be all worthwhile, you know. Yep. It'll, it'll be worth the time. So stay tuned and check it out, folks, because we'll be uh, adding chapters as Michael sees fit. And, uh, of course, we'll keep you up to date right here on Rich and Rants. And uh, if you have any questions or comments about any of that stuff, feel free to drop us a line. Just go uh, send me an email at john at bigboomradio.com. And as simple as that, let us know what you're thinking. All right, gang? So for now, I am Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side.